it brings me great sadness that it has come to this. The decision that I have made for my wife and I to step back is not one I made lightly. It was so many months of talks after so many years of challenges. My British friend said to me, I'm sure he's great, but you shouldn't do it because the British tabloids will destroy your life. We intend to step back as senior members of the royal family, their statement said. We now plan to balance our time between the United Kingdom and North America. Harry is quitting the royals, but don't worry, he won't be broke. He's estimated to be worth 60 million New Zealand dollars, thanks to money from his mother and his great-grandmother. And he gets more from his father. We're talking millions more. That's in spite of him saying he wants to be financially independent. What's more, British taxpayers will be forking out even more to fund his lifestyle. This is an absolute massive bill, which um, we're going to be facing. And I'm going to end up paying more for Harry now than we did before. Kia ora, I'm Sharon Brett-Kelly and today on The Detail I'm talking to Norman Baker, a former Liberal Democrat minister. He's written all about the royal fortune in a new book called And What Do You Do? What the Royal Family Don't Want You to Know. What he reveals is a highly secretive, uber-rich, tax-avoiding, business-savvy family otherwise called The Firm. And Harry's still going to get a cut. He's not really leaving the royals. He's keeping his uh, HRH title. He's not going to be using it officially, but he's keeping it. And that's significant because it means he will still have access to the security guards, which comes with the royals, to free travel, to support from Buckingham Palace and the like. So all those elements will still remain in place. Furthermore, in terms of the income he receives... 95% 95% of that has come from Prince Charles and 5% from the sovereign grant, which is the, the money the Queen receives. He will be really, in practical terms, no worse off. And indeed, the taxpayer will be worse off because the cost of security will go through the roof. OK, well, let's first of all look at, because there's quite a few things there. Can you explain to me what is the sovereign grant and what does he get from that every year? The sovereign grant is a, is a terrible construction which should never have been allowed, which was created by George Osborne, the former Chancellor of the Exchequer, in about 2011-2012. What happened, I have to go back into history here, there was a deal done in 1760, whereby the royal lands, which are now called the Crown Estates, were handed over to uh, the government, to the public, and in return for that, the king was given an annual salary, if you like, a civil list salary, to meet his basic expenditure. And the government then took a responsibility for those matters the king had previously looked after, namely the army and so on. Um, that system lasted until 2011-2012, when a new system was created called the Sovereign Grant. Under that arrangement, a decision was taken that 15% of the profits from the Crown Estates would now go to the Queen. It was wholly wrong to, to, to link the monarch with those lands. There is no legal connection, in my view, between those lands and, uh, and the Queen's duties. The consequence of that, however, has been to link the, what the Queen receives to, uh, effectively, the, um, the profits for a property company. And property companies, by and large, perform better than normal inflation. And therefore, this has been a massive increase in expenditure from the taxpayer to the monarch since 2011-2012. Just to give you a, a figure to demonstrate this, the civil list 
which the Queen received the money from from, from the uh, taxpayer in 2010, was 7.9 million. Last year, the new arrangement produced for the Queen 82.8 million. At a time of austerity, where people have been tightening their belts over here, they've seen a tenfold increase in the amount of money they receive. Do people in general know about this? How much? They don't. And why is they don't. that? Uh, well, because I'm afraid that the media don't do their job properly. The media uh, are obsessed by trivia as to whether Prince George likes, likes camels or horses or something, um, or they're obsessed by 1950s values as to whether Kate's dress looks right or whether she, she was touching her bump when she's pregnant and all those sorts of things which are both highly intrusive and, and completely irrelevant. Actually, journalists have been equating Meghan's misdemeanours with Andrew's. Former editor of The Sun, Dominic Mohan, said last week it's been an annus horribilis for the royal family, whether you're talking about Prince Andrew or Harry and Meghan. That's right, it's been a terrible year for the royals, whether you're talking about Prince Andrew hanging out with a convicted paedophile, Meghan wearing jeans to Wimbledon... <laughs> <laughs> and doesn't ever focus on the real matters, which are the financial arrangements between the, the, the monarch and her family and the, and the taxpayer, and also the other uh, little tricks which they have to, to advantage themselves. I think it's going to change now. Uh, we're now getting interest in the wider aspects of the royal family, which is partly uh, down to uh, Andrew and Harry from rocking the boat, and hopefully partly, in a small way, down to, to my book, People are now asking about royal finances to me in a way they weren't doing a year ago. So what are people saying, that, that Harry should just walk away and fend for himself? Well, on the Harry issue, I mean, there's been a, a general view from the public, I think, that um, you're either in the royal family or you're not. Uh, you're either there on the balcony of Buckingham Palace looking at the flyover of the planes uh, and waving to the crowd and carrying out royal duties, or you're out of the royal family. I think that's where people believe Harry should be. And there's a lot of support for Harry in the sense that he's quite well liked and uh, people feel if he wants to go and create his own arrangements outside the family, that's fine, and I feel that way too. But um, what people did feel was he can't have a foot in both camps. Well, it appears he doesn't in some ways, but as I said to you, under the surface, he still does in terms of the financial support he's going to receive. So he's still going to get money uh, from the sovereign grant? No, he's not getting the 5%. Uh, the 5% of his income from the sovereign grant is disappearing. OK. What he's still going to get is a 95, 95% that comes from Prince Charles. Now, that's not, as I, as I understand it, coming from Prince Charles's private money. Prince Charles is worth over £100 million, but it's not coming from that. No, I think what's going to happen is, based on previous experience, is that Prince Charles will fund Harry out of something which is even more obscure called the Duchy of Cornwall. And the Duchy of Cornwall, its legal status is, is uncertain. The Duchy of Cornwall is a uniquely British institution, providing the personal income for every Prince of Wales for the last 700 years. I'm starting to think about how I will inherit the duchy one day. It's given me a lot to think about. Prince William will inherit a business worth nearly a billion pounds that currently generates over 21 million in yearly profits. Thank you for paying your rent every now and then. <laughs> Prince Charles insists this is a private estate and it's his personal property, effectively. I would argue, and many other people argue, it actually should belong to the state, and uh, he is taking money from that particular 
amalgamation of property, which really ought to go direct to the taxpayer. The product from the Duchy of Cornwall is a profit uh, of around £22 million a year, which Charles uses as pocket money. Uh, I think he should have paid Harry out of the profits of the Duchy of Cornwall. And that's significant because he will then use that to say he has incurred an expense. He will then say that the expense reduces his tax liability. He'll offset it against tax. And the taxpayer will lose out because they will receive less in tax from Charles than they should do because he's classifying Harry's money as an expense. I was actually reading what you wrote about the Duchy of Cornwall. One of the properties is the Oval Cricket Ground in South London. Uh, yes, I've been in the Kennington Estate, and uh, as I put it, uh, with a sort of cricket pun, extra cover for the prince <laughs> while he hits a taxpayer for six. I mean, some of it doesn't mean very much, but some of it means quite a lot. I mean, he's got, for example, the rights to middle deposits. Well, there are some rare metals under the ground in Cornwall. He's going to claim all those. You know, it's personal money for him. He, if you park on the park on the beach uh, to go surfing in Cornwall, you're paying him for the car park. Uh, there's all sorts of bits and pieces which he claims money for. So Harry will continue to get, is it, it's round about £10 million New Zealand dollars, I think, isn't it? £5 million per year from Charles through the Duchy of Cornwall? Well, it's not quite clear what he's going to get because uh, Charles never quite declares how much he's giving Harry, but we know it's millions. Right. OK, so we don't even know that. But he will continue to get that. Yes. What else... From the well, as I say, he will get access, because he retains his HRH title officially, he will get the travel to and from Canada. He'll get the security detail, which will go with him. There are at least probably six of them over there at the moment, Scotland Yard officers. This is costing an absolute fortune. It's not simply Harry's travel. It's all the travel for British police officers and all the costs of, of round-the-clock coverage in Canada, and not simply for Harry, coverage for Meghan and coverage for Archie, who may all be in different places at different times. This is an absolute massive bill which um, we're going to be facing. And as I say, we're going to end up paying more for Harry now than we did before. And taxpayers will be paying that? They'll pay the security costs, they will pay the travel, and they'll pay, in a sense, indirectly, by Charles declaring this as an expense and reducing his tax liability. What do you think about the speculation that, well, she's already got work with Disney and that Harry might, through his sports links, sign up with potential sponsors? Well, look, I mean, I think if, if people want to leave the royal family, they should be allowed to do so because they shouldn't be held there in kind of chains and handcuffs for the rest of their life if they don't want to be there. That's perfectly fine. And if they want to go do something else, uh, I, for one, uh, have no objection to that. And indeed... Uh, I think Harry and Meghan were in some ways a breath of fresh air and the way they were dealt with um, has, in, in, to some extent, at least forced them out. The, the royal family doesn't like strong, independent-minded women in particular. Look at how they treated Diana. They, they think women should be there to be simpering by their husband's side uh, and behaving like some sort of 1954 Miss World contestant. I mean, it really is a very antiquated way of dealing with women. And I think Meghan being a strong, independent-minded person has found that very difficult, quite understandably. It's not about her being a woman of colour, no. It's about her being a woman of colour, progressive, American, divorced, and having some opinion. So I've got a lot of sympathy with Harry and Meghan who wanted to leave, but I think in terms of what they do now, they've got to carve their own furrow, if you like, whatever the metaphor is, and 
of course that can involve um, activities which are ones which you wouldn't normally expect members of the royal family to be engaged in. But they must go and do things which are not exploiting their royal links. We've seen in the British papers in the last couple of days a bit of a hoo-ha about uh, Peter Phillips, the uh, son of Princess Anne, who has been advertising milk, of all things, in China. i Peter Phillips. This is what I drink. Well, I mean, that's totally inappropriate. Um, Diana's niece has been selling milk as well. They've got a competitor in China. They seem to love milk advertising. You know, my view is if Becca wants to go and do Disney uh, overdubs. The Duchess of Sussex has reportedly signed a voiceover deal with Disney in exchange for a donation to wildlife charity Elephants Without Borders, according to multiple reports. I don't object to that. Um, I, I would object to it if she was billed as a member of the royal family or she was doing overdubs on something related to a, a royal matter. And equally, if Harry wants to go and become a chief executive of some charity, helping kids in Africa, that would be fantastic. I would totally support that. What he cannot do is have a brand called Sussex Royal, which sells products with the word royal on it and makes money for himself. They've trademarked the brand Sussex Royal, which could include hundreds of items from clothing, charitable fundraising and education. There's something called the Royal Names Team in the Cabinet Office, which approves the release of the word royal. So the Cabinet Office owns this decision about the use of the word royal, and they should be intervening to stop this nonsense. They haven't done yet. They want to pass a parcel to somebody else, but they're not quite clear who they pass it to. And the reason why we're talking about all this financial stuff is because of your latest book, which is pretty controversial. Why did you write this book? If it's controversial, it's controversial because it's accurate. And it just tells people what the facts are. And that's controversial, apparently, um, because a lot of things are hidden. Why did I write it? Because uh, the, the royal family, the monarchy, is, is an important part of the Constitution. We know a great deal about other parts of the Constitution accurately. I mean, the commons and the lords and so on, and the civil service and the judges and so on. We know, by and large, what, what the truth is with those people. We don't. People didn't know what the truth was with the monarchy. The monarchy has got this kind of facade of, of uh, benign benevolence and an involvement in society which is wholly positive. And there are positive elements to it, of course. But there's also a great deal of money grabbing underneath the surface, and that's what people aren't aware of. And I think it's proper that people should be aware that the royals are, are enriching themselves from the public purse to a degree which is, in my view, unacceptable, that they have special treatments in law which enable them even to veto legislation which affects them personally. Queen and Prince Charles have that ability. And that they've exempted themselves effectively from the Freedom of Information Act so people can't find out the facts. I think people should do all those things. Mm, and, and so how did you find out about it? I mean, how difficult was it to get the information? Well, I mean, I've, I've been collecting material really by and large on and off for about 20-odd years since I first became an MP in 1997. There's some original research. I mean, I went down to the Royal Archives, for example, and drilled through the archives. But, I mean, quite a lot of what my book is, it's just pulling together uh, all my parliamentary activities and all the bits and pieces from the press that have been published over the years. The Royal Archives, what exactly are those and where are they kept? Well, <laughs> they're in Windsor Castle. And, and again, like most things with the Royal Family, they insist they're private. You know, my view is that the history of the royal family is a history of Britain. 
as it is, you have to go and get special permission to go in there. Even though I'm a privy councillor, I had to apply. They couldn't really turn me down, I suppose, given my status. But I got in there. Uh, there's a tiny room which seats, I think, at most about six, six researchers at one time. You have to ask for things and, and hope that you strike lucky. Well, I did strike lucky, I think, because I asked for material which I'm not sure anyone else has asked for. So I found out quite a lot from the archives, and that's all in the book. So, from what you know, how much is the Queen worth today? Well, I mean, the Queen's worth billions. I mean, uh, there was a, a, an excellent book by uh, someone called Philip Hall in about 1995 um, called Royal Fortune, but he went into the finances in huge detail and concluded that she was the, most, she was the richest person in the country. We know that in 1952, Winston Churchill, who was then Prime Minister, decided to give the new Queen uh, a lift up the financial ladder, God knows why, but he decided to do that. And he exempted the Queen at that point from any tax at all on her investment incomes. That was only reversed in 1993. But the calculation made by those who were able to look at these matters suggests that the Queen benefited from that tax exempt, that one tax exemption alone, to the tune of £900 million. Wow. That's just the tax she should have paid and didn't pay. It's not really clear how much the Queen pays in taxes on her own investments these days. One report says she pays £9,000 annually in council taxes on her properties like Sandringham Estate. But what we do know is how much the royal family costs taxpayers. Last year it was a staggering £67 million. Add on top of that the money she got from her investments and everything else she's got grants galore from, from all sorts of people to, to mend fences in her estate and whatever it happens to be. You're looking at, you're looking at multi-billion pound income over that over the reign. And a little interesting piece in, in your story about that, her stamp collection alone is worth £100 million? Yes, a lot of stamps. That's a uh, very rare ones. I mean, that's just astounding. And I guess on the, as a, an example of the misspending, you were saying that Buckingham Palace refurbishing it was quoted at £10 million in 2010. That's yeah. gone up to £369 million. Yeah, 359 I think it was, 369 But here's the rub, apart from the massive cost, uh, which is gold bells and gold whistles all the way through the palace. Here's the rub, because the, the arrangements with the Windsor Great Fire uh, were that in order for the, for the Queen to be able to pay the cost of refurbishing and repairing Windsor Castle, she would introduce public access to Buckingham Palace. They would charge quite a lot for the tickets, but the money for the tickets would go towards repairing Windsor Castle. And indeed it did. But the thing is, by 1999, uh, all uh, the money from Buckingham Palace had been sufficient to repair Windsor Castle. But what happened in 1999? They kept collecting the money. People are still paying through the door to come into Buckingham Palace. And where's the money going? The Queen's taking it. So we're paying... £359 million pounds to refurbish Buckingham Palace and she's keeping the money from the tickets that she sells at the door. God. And so apart from you, Norman, are people kicking up much of a fuss? Not enough is the answer. I mean, they're kicking up a fuss about some of the... They're kicking up a fuss about Andrew and Jeffrey Epstein and they're kicking up a fuss about Harry to some extent as to whether he should be supported from the public purse. But, but these are all kind of little spotlights they're picking up on. You know, whether the wheel stops people don't like it and they say that's not, that's not right what people aren't doing yet i don't think and i have done i hope is to look at the whole picture and say this whole thing is a bit of a rotten edifice it needs to be sorted out and it's that you know helicopter vision that people haven't yet got 
and which I'm trying to set out so they understand how it's all connected. And what do you think should happen? Well, I mean, what I think should happen is that there should be a vast slipping down of the royal family, which should become far more like a European monarchy. You know, we are the last imperial monarchy. The French, the Germans, the Russians, the Austrians have all got rid of the, the Italians, have all got rid of the imperial monarchies. You know, on the cover of my book, there's a picture of Buckingham Palace balcony. There are 44 of them on that balcony. What are they all doing? The Swedish and Norwegian not apparently talk about three or four people delivering all the uh, necessary royal duties in these countries. That's how it should be. So they should be slimmed right down. That's the first thing that should happen. Second thing is they should be paying taxes properly and openly, which they're not. And, and thirdly, we should apply the Freedom of Information Act to them to find out what's, what's going on officially. What are the chances of all this happening, though, Norman? Well, I don't know. I mean, you know, the Berlin Wall suddenly came down. Um, we don't know whether this is, this is what's happening now is a catalyst to further change or whether it isn't. I mean, certainly the papers have been much more hostile to the Royal Family in the last six months than I can remember any time for the last 25 years. People don't want to be unpleasant to the Queen. People think the Queen's done a good job, that she's a good person, and people don't want to, to upset her when she's 93. So I think when, when the Queen dies, that will, be the, that will be the crucial point as to whether or not people think, hang on a minute, we've had enough of this. The Queen was lovely, but you know we don't really want Charles. Yeah, the royals and their properties and their castles and whatnot are, are so valuable to Britain, really, aren't they? They draw in lots and lots of tourists. Well, they do, but I don't think we should base our constitutional arrangements on what's good for tourism, to be honest with you. You can still have the Buckingham Palace, you can still have the changing of the guard, you can still have people wandering up and down in bearskins. Uh, all these things can still occur. Uh, you don't necessarily need the royal family to deliver them. That's the detail for today. I'm Sharon Brett Kelly. The detail is brought to you by newsroom.co.nz, made possible by RNZ and NZ On Air. Hit the subscribe button to stay across the detail every day. And if you're on Apple, please leave a rating as it helps other listeners find us. This episode was engineered by Jeremy Ansell and produced by Alexia Russell. And thanks to Norman Baker. Ka kite anō.